This is Dr. Charles Parker, and you're listening to Core Brain Journal. It's the place where I connect both fresh discoveries and interesting different perspectives from advanced mind science with the realities of real people and everyday life down on Main Street. Well, welcome aboard, folks. Dr. Charles Parker here. We have yet another terribly interesting guest today, and she is kind of a core brain journal maven, and she didn't really know it until we started talking because we, she's so much on the path of all the listeners that we have here around the world uh, talking about duality and talking about binary thinking and limited thinking, reptilian thinking. We have so much covered on our mindset page, and she is going to add to that. We're going to have two sections to this interview. And we're going to talk about relationships and how counterproductive reductionistic thinking and binary thinking, uh, either or thinking, is regarding relationships. Then we're going to talk in the second part about the evolution of uh, mind science. And we're going to look at some proactive solutions, ways to really think about this through a new book that she's written on this. So, Lynn Marie Lumiere, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for inviting me. You know what? I forgot to ask you. Did I pronounce your last name correctly? I got so excited talking to you. You did perfectly. Lumiere. Fantastic. Okay. It's light in French. I love it. Oh, it is. It's fantastic. Okay. So I'm going to have a few words from our sponsor, and then we'll come back and I'll do the full introduction. Core Brain Journal is sponsored by Great Plains Laboratory. They are deep international biomedical testing leaders for improved targeted mind science details. As both laboratory and webinar global thought leaders, they provide the most comprehensive set of hard data measurement tools for real biomedical answers beyond guesswork, which is so prevalent. They also provide multiple training webinars for both the public and medical providers who really want to grow their understanding on how to use that data effectively in their offices. Check out their website for references and testing details, and take note. They are really partners with us. They want to help us along the way. We want to help them along the way. You can register over there at their website for a complimentary test drawing. This week, it's a new drawing. I don't have exactly what it is right at this moment, but they have a number of free drawings that you can set your name in for a drawing. You get the test. We'll do the reading for you and get it done one way or another. That's over at greatplainslaboratory.com forward slash CBJ for Curl Brain Journal. Why not run over there? So let me tell you now about Lynn Marie. So she is a seasoned MFT psychotherapist, author and teacher with a focus on transforming issues at their source through dissolving the belief, get this, in the separation that causes and sustains the problems in the first place. She is dedicated to awakening consciousness and meeting life's challenges to, as doorways to greater freedom. She wants to pop open the door. Her work is sourced in over 40 years of dedicated spiritual and psychological exploration, as well as almost 30 years of marriage and practicing psychotherapy with marriage counseling. She is a contributing author to The Sacred Mirror, Non-Dual Wisdom in Psychotherapy, that is very interesting. I'd love to hear a little more about that. And The Awakening West, Evidence of Spreading Enlightenment, and the author of Awakened Relating, A Guide to Embodying Undivided Love in Intimate Relationships. She lives out there in beautiful Grass Valley, California. So she was born in Washington State, lived in San Francisco Bay Area for 35 years, 
and she's now out there. But here's the issue. She has been a certified somatic experiencing practitioner since 2003. Now, I'm telling you, I don't know what that is. And I think there are a lot of our guests that don't know what that is, Lynn Marie. I mean, we have to talk about that somewhere along the way. So she's been a repeated presenter at the, at the annual conference on non-dual wisdom and psychotherapy. Sounds terribly interesting. And the Science and Non-Duality Conference. Uh, contributing author to the books that we mentioned a moment ago. So, and we're going to hear about her uh, own book in just a moment as we get further into this discussion. So, Lynn Marie, this is, I'm so excited to talk to you. We're really looking forward to it. So, let's go back and personalize this conversation a little bit because we got sort of the, the lattice work, the grid of who you are, but let's go back and see what turned you around where you said, okay, we've got to think about this more deeply. We, and when did you have that transformational experience? And, and could you give us a little context on that, please? I think I can say that um, I'm, I'm just kind of wired to look at things more deeply and try to find the deepest possible solutions mm-hmm. and ask the bigger questions. From a very young age, I was concerned with what's the meaning of life and why am I here and who am I really? And it seems like I've got all these thoughts and feelings going on, but it seems there's something more than that. And I can't say why that happened. I was just kind of came in that way. Mm-hmm. Even though I got made fun of in my family and by friends, I was always the deeper seeker and a deeper thinker. Yeah. And so when I, when I went into psychology, that was part of it, you know, wanting to know more about how I tick, how people tick, and how to resolve suffering. Because in addition to just having a natural interest in the deeper meaning of life, I also had a fair amount of suffering from a challenging childhood, and I wanted to find a way to be free of suffering. What do I need to do here so I can feel some peace inside? Mm -hmm. And that led me to psychology and working on my psychology and myself, and then it led me into spirituality and spiritual practices of many different traditions, some more Hindu-oriented, you know, mostly Eastern traditions and Buddhism, and then the non-dual tradition, which we can talk about, which I've been involved in for 25 years, that led to a simple discovery that the ordinary awareness that's looking out of my eyes right now is the same as looking out of your eyes, and that is the doorway to my greater consciousness or, or infinite being. And becoming simply aware of being aware and then attending to that, getting interested in that has led me into deeper discoveries of the nature of mind, not just the thinking discursive conditioned mind, but its essential nature of mind and including that in my life experience and in my work with clients, because that is something that's already okay, always was okay, and is. deeply at rest. So a point of clarification there. I think, you know, you were saying uh, some profound things there, and I just want to tighten it up a little bit for me and for listeners who may say, wow, I've just missed everything she said. (laughs) Uh, But I think the thing about the your eyes and my eyes is I'm asking you this question. I'm not telling you. I want to hear what your response is. But I think what you're saying is what I hear you saying is that we all human beings have the potential to actually see reality as it is. 
Yes. And there are different degrees and ways that we can actually see that reality. The reality varies according to each person's perceptions. And if a person's perceptions are tuned in to this larger picture reality, Mm -hmm. they will be less dualistic in their thought. They'll be more integrated with the actual picture the way it is, as opposed to this small little perch they have in the woods out there that they live in, they can actually see things better. That's true. And it's paradoxical, you know, the reality of the world, the existence we live in is paradoxical. We have this individual mindset. We all have our own particular conditioning and personality that allows us to perceive things differently and uniquely than anybody else. But at our core or our essence, we are the same one being or consciousness. Mm -hmm. And that's where we're unified. That's where we truly connect. And it's one being expressing itself in billions of different ways. And somehow we have the capacity to wake up to that and be both human beings so that we can be, have more of that infinite consciousness online in terms of our functioning in the world. And that's what is absolutely being called for at this time in the world that we're living in. So when you said beings so emphatically, you, you were <laughs> saying we can actually be alive if we aren't living in these different perches all over in our mind that have been ingrained uh-huh. or that uh-huh. we've sought escape from the reality we, we're driving around. And we sort of like that saying back in World War II, you know, after he went to Paris, we couldn't get him back on the farm. <laughs> you yeah. know, there's a certain point when you have that awakening that yeah. it's you, then, then there is no difference between Paris and the farm because you really get down to a whole different level of thinking. Yes. And that's what we, we as a species, not just me as an individual, had to move beyond my own suffering by finding a, a bigger picture consciousness, a more global understanding. But our, our human race is now, I think, taken living in binary, separate, dualistic thinking. We're all little isolated islands in this little perspective. As far as we can go, there's so much division now that is actually threatening the survival of the planet itself. And our survival as a species We've already extinguished a number of other species, so I don't think it's too alarming to say that we are being moved in an evolutionary way to open up our consciousness in a bigger way. That includes our interconnectedness, our innate unity as one being. Yeah, I think what will wake us up is the pain. The problem is that pain can go either way. Pain can drive you down into this is the way it is. I'm going to think reductionistically. It's the only safe place I have to go because it's the only thing I know. Mm -hmm. Or, hey, maybe there's a larger order here that we can actually transcend the smallness of thought. But I want to save that for the second part of the conversation because I'm so interested in this first part. Because (laughs) I think the first thing is Mm -hmm. to sort of, and I'll tell you very honestly, I'm trying to rope our audience in because I think you're a very deep person. And I think mm-hmm. me trying to rope people in is really simple. And that is, can we have some practical explanations for the relationships that are so meaningful in our lives, some examples where people get into this dualistic thinking, where they become binary in their relationships, and what kind of pain, suffering, and difficulties arise from that? Could you say a few words about that? 
in the um, next hour. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's the primary way that human beings have been in relationship is as a separate individual egoic identity that is separate from the other over there and that they have to get love from something outside of themselves over there and they see it's like me and you and us and them and they're either with me or they're not or they're everything is divided up within us and within our experience and ultimately that can't work and it's not working for in general human beings have a great difficulty having harmonious connected intimate relationships and over 50% of the divorces are failing and it's becoming it hasn't evolved to a place where people are moved beyond that but they're ready to and so what i call awakened relating is coming into an understanding that even though the other person over there that we're trying to have a relationship with does have an entirely different perspective on life than i do in our core heart of hearts we are the same thing so if we just include that we're including the wholeness of ourselves yes we have a different personalities yes we have different separate bodies yes we have different conditioned perspectives and beliefs but there's something that's the same and if that's left out then there's no way that we can truly connect so interesting now how would you do that in a marital conflict situation what you're saying is we need to uh, enlarge the conversation by bringing in the connectedness between individuals. Could you take us a little more into sort of a practical utilitarian way of how could that be accomplished when you're doing marital therapy? That'd be a quick place because that is the ubiquitous problem out there. It could be marital, it could right. be relationship, a job, but let's start with marital because that's the, where the emotions live. Yes, and especially intimate relationship is where all of our deepest wounding and insecurities and, and so on come up, right? That's why it's challenging for us because it will come up there. That's where we're most vulnerable. So when I work with couples or individuals, the first thing I do is try to help them see things in the bigger picture, meeting them wherever they are at and seeing how, what the next step is towards moving towards a more expanded consciousness. So I can give an example of people who already have that. Let's say they have already done their own spiritual work and have a sense of the consciousness that's greater than the limited egoic separate self. But they're having a lot of trouble coming up against their deeper conditioned issues in relationship. Because mm -hmm. we all had some form of relational wounding in our childhood, mm -hmm. some to greater degrees or lesser degrees, but we all had something. You know, whether we had like a critical parent or one that was kind of emotionally absent or whatever, mm -hmm. that caused some form of relational wounding. And that gets played out in intimate relationship as adults. And we have like what I call an inner radar where we pull in the exact person that's going to trigger those things in us that need to be healed. And when we are in separate consciousness, then we project it on the other. And it's about them. And it's over there, and it's not in me. So what I do is I help people be, first of all, become more conscious of what is being triggered in each other. And they become more aware and take the projection back to themselves and see, oh, yeah, they're triggering me because it feels like my critical father or whatever. And then I get angry at that, 
and the, my partner gets triggered because it feels like her angry father or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, so we're triggering off each other's. And so they become more aware. That's a bigger awareness than just being in it unconsciously. And if they have even more expanded awareness, they can learn how to come back to themselves and sit with that charge instead of acting it out in reaction or, or in some way suppressing it to actually be directly with it in a bigger, expansive awareness to allow it. It's so simple that it makes it difficult because the truth of what really heals things is so very simple, fully allowing it to be without acting it out or repressing it. And that in alone allows it to transform on its own. And then we see things in a clarity that allows us to be in relationship with an openness and an open heartedness and a clarity to share something if it needs to be shared or just let it go. I hope that was clear. It's not easy to describe. Well, oh no, it's a, it's it's interesting. I actually while you were talking, I, I was thinking about because I've done meditation myself and have thought about these things a great deal over the years. That's why I'm so enthusiastic about you being on because I think you're so accurate about everything you're saying. And so the next question there, as I was listening to you, I was thinking about how would I do if I really had an ongoing application of those principles, which I say these things that you're saying in derivative ways, not quite as explicitly as you're saying them, but I'm thinking Mm -hmm. about therapists who would be there with a married couple who is contemplating divorce because they've reached an impasse on something. So the question then is, as a technique, do you have any specific suggestions on how those people can get down to that deeper level of consciousness? Do you have them meditate? Do they, you recommend going to church, for example? I'm just talking off the top of my head because I think that some of the religious societies do a better job than the people who are not in a religious environment. So go ahead and respond to that if you would, please. Well, it, it, it depends on the person, but some possibilities of what I would do is, is uh, inquire into the experience. You know, it's like every time he does this, you know, this big reaction goes off. So they're in the big reaction. Well, then we can inquire into that reaction, feel it, be present with it, take it off of them and put it, bring it back to yourself, take responsibility for it and feel into it and be aware, bring more awareness to our emotional reactions. You know, have, have it, get it more conscious mm-hmm. and be able to look at it and feel it and then get a sense of what's being touched. You know, what's the hot button that got pressed there? Gotcha. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then we have more awareness of, oh, yeah, that's why I react that way. Mm-hmm. And then if there's even more consciousness, they can allow themselves to feel that charge and let it settle. And if it's too big of a charge, because it's coming from a pretty significant trauma, then I bring in things like somatic experiencing, which you mentioned earlier, which is a trauma resolution method, a somatic therapy that is designed to lessen the the physiological charge of trauma in the body. So if need be, I can bring in tools like that. But it's all about just being with it, an awareness of it and being present with it. Very simple, but hard to do. Well, could you just give us a couple of words, because I mentioned earlier, I'm completely unfamiliar with that technique, a couple of sentences on somatic experiencing that would be, you know, explanatory for those of us who are innocent on that and think about, hey, this might be interesting 
for me to try in my difficult relationship? Do you have any examples? Well, somatic experiencing is, like I said, a trauma resolution method. So it's about, well, the developer of it, uh, Dr. Peter Levine, called it skillful means for being present with what is. So again, it's about being present with what mm-hmm. is. But when what is is really charged because it comes from a deep wounding, mm-hmm. then we bring in these skillful means and ways to resource the nervous system in some kind of way, like focus on a part of the body that actually feels good right now, mm-hmm. or a hand on the back, or look at the beautiful tree out the window while you feel that. So we're bringing in resourcing positive experience into mm-hmm. the body. That's just one example of it that allows for more ability, more capacity. It's building the capacity to be present with what is. Because when we have a lot of relational wounding or trauma, we have a limited capacity to be present with what is. We're always in reaction or in some way pushing it down. And that Mm -hmm. causes a lot of disturbance in relationship. So sometimes I just have to work with that. I have to work with the building the capacity to be present with what is and the capacity to even tap into a greater awareness and be able to stay there for any amount of time. So I'm not, this is going to sound like I'm trivializing a little bit what you're saying, but I'm, I'm trying not to trivialize it. I'm just trying to get it down to an operational sense. So in a marital discord, you might then say, look, you guys are having a difficult time. Why don't you take a walk in the state park and not talk to each other? while you take that walk and see what well, happens yeah, when you come yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, that might need to happen. Like I said, you know, ultimately I try to access this greater wisdom in myself and it's spontaneous in the moment if, if I'm really trusting it and it comes up with amazing things in the moment that's unique to each person. So it's, mm-hmm. it's not really a method in the sense that I'm applying a actual method that I'm going to cookie cutter with everybody. Yeah. It's not in that realm. It's not in the realm of conventional psychology. I got you. This is a more evolved form of psychology and psychotherapy. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's coming from a more uh, spontaneous wisdom. But sometimes, if, especially if two people are triggered in the same hot, they're each other's hot button, nobody is able to be present with that or even look at it without just calming everything down. And sometimes people have to just be quiet for a while or separate for a while and come back and and do, you know, it depends on how charged things are. So when you say separate for a while, like in a therapy situation, you might have them just take... I've had timeouts where we're Mm -hmm. just going to be quiet. And then maybe I'll do a guided relaxation meditation so that they can can settle or I'll I'll guide them in, in some kind of a process of in the body, more along the lines of somatic experiencing of settling the nervous system. So yeah. you can find yourself in your somatic expression. What's going on with you? Settle things in the somatic expression so that it's the sympathetic activation, fight, flight. We have to mm-hmm. calm that down because if that's not calmed down, we don't have access to our greater awareness to look into it or be present with it or, or access any kind of deeper awareness. Sometimes first things first, we have to like calm things down. Yeah, you're distracted by the emotions and the duality. You're locked in the duality. Gone. And when you're locked in the duality, you can't do the reality. No, then you're just gone and it's me against you and you're the threat. And, you know, I need to defend myself against you. And it's in total separation and division. 
So tell us a little bit about the book that you've written, and then we're going to take a break after that because I've got another question I'm really excited about asking you about. So let's talk about your book and, and what it does in, in addressing some of these things. Well, we've already been talking about it. You know, the, <laughs> the book is Awakened Relating, and Awakened Relating, it includes all of what psychotherapy or marital therapy could you know, involve, whatever's needed, but it takes it another step into including the non-dual nature of human beings, that even though there's two people in separate camps here colliding with big triggers, ultimately it's all arising from the same deeper ground that we all are. Not necessarily coming in with that understanding, although it's amazing to me how many more people through the 20 years or so I've been working with this are being able to come in with this understanding or be able to get it when I point to it. We're really evolving. Mm -hmm. It's really exciting to see that. But it's kind of, you could say, in a, uh, a next step in the evolution of transpersonal psychology. It's including that we have an egoic structure, but that's not what we are. We aren't just that. There's more to us than that. Mm -hmm. And that, that can be accessed directly, that we do have the capacity to tap into that directly and bring that to the significant problems we're all facing in life. And that's where the true transformation happens. It's like we can't, I guess it's Einstein said it, we can't solve the problem on the level in which it was created. <laughs> the problems are all created out of the, the dualistic framework. We can't solve it within that. We have mm -hmm. to access a more global, inclusive, non-dual understanding. So non-dual psychotherapy includes that, and awakened relating is awakening is a relating with some understanding of that unified nature and some ability to bring that directly to the challenges we face in relationship. You know, and I it's think very cutting edge. It's very new. It's great. That's why I'm so happy to be talking about it. It's I think way cutting edge. Kind of not quite said while we're talking here mm -hmm. is the relevance of time since you brought in Einstein. Yeah. And you're really talking about field theory and time and the uh, complexity of things as opposed to the overly simplified, it's either this or it's that. That's what duality is. It's either this or it's that. I'm right. You're wrong. Let's do this. Exactly. That's what duality yeah. is. And so then what happens is we say, look, we got a much more complex situation here. Let's like, you're a complex human being. I'm a complex. Let's find out where we're right. And let's find out what we disagree with and then start like figuring out how we can get this thing resolved. And let's find out what's, what's the same. And let's find the place where everything is already okay. Mm -hmm. See, that's being left out by most of the human race. Key point, key point. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's really great. I'm going to ask you another question when we come back. And this is the question. We'll take a little break now. And the question is the one that are bothering a lot of people who listen to Core Brain Journal, to be honest with you. And it bothers me. So I'm looking forward to an expert like you with the skill set you have. Uh, we talked a little bit about it when we got started. And I think we, sh we could really talk. I was joking a moment ago where I said take an hour to talk about this. I mean, this is something that, that would be an extensive conversation. But let's talk a little bit about it in the remaining time we have. And that is the question of the whole evolution of mind science and whether it's evolving or not evolving, how we could make it evolve, how that whole thing is actually reflecting upon our evolution as a species. I mean, I think we're going in a pretty entropic direction right now. And uh, I think we need to really figure out ways people like you, me, and the people who listen to this program 
can kick in and like light some kind of a constructive fire that, hey, guys, this is really so doggone counterproductive. So anyway, that's the question I'm going to ask you when we get back. Folks, we will be back in just a moment. Today, the world of mind science, psychiatry, and mental health is rapidly changing with innovative, comprehensive testing that takes both patients and practitioners into a new world of measured details with useful, understandable, and remarkably actionable plans. The key phrase here is cost-effective. Testing also introduces a key parallel word, predictability. Psychiatric treatment failure, especially after multiple medications and our brief hospitalizations, arises directly from the complexity of measurable brain-body imbalances and impediments that explicitly interfere with medical outcomes and create costly difficulties with inadequately informed supplement and medication trials over time. Great Plains provides a leadership team of biomedical experts with advanced laboratory insights approved nationally both by the FDA and CLIA laboratory certifications and is available internationally for both public and medical professions. Great Plains Laboratory is the primary laboratory we've used at CoreSight for years with excellent customer service for both patients and medical colleagues. They are on the spot. They get it every time. In addition, they provide exemplary training modules, which are webinars and conferences in an effort to broaden practice perspectives wherever you live. Do follow up on one of these complimentary test offers today at http greatplainslaboratory.com forward slash cbj yeah that's core brain journal cbj well welcome back folks we're here with lynn marie lumiere and she is talking to us about some very deep things and i apologize to all of you for asking an overly wordy question i was just trying to get it out because i think it's such a a big concept and I don't know that we can cover it in much entirety in this brief time that we have, but I think it's important for professionals like you and me and, and the people who listen here to think about the larger picture in terms of, yeah, it's speculation in a certain respect, but then it's also like we need to have the conversation. It's what Core Brain Journal is all about. We're, I've just been talking to you briefly here, learned some new words. I appreciate these new words because it makes my head get a little bit bigger in terms of options and thoughts and what to do. So let's talk about the evolution of the state of, I don't even like to use the word psychiatry, psychology, because I think it's so limiting, but the applied mind science is what we're really talking about. What's, do you have any thoughts about how we can constructively contribute to that larger evolution that needs to take place? What would be your thought about that? Well, my, my contribution to that is to what I've already said, to explore consciousness beyond the ego. Most of psychology, psychiatry, mind, science in that form has been about studying the ego, um, improving the ego, developing theories about it, methods, techniques, lots of theories about what it is and how to improve it. And then some of the great thinkers like Carl Jung went beyond that into more the metaphysical, the mystical. They included that so, but it's evolved into that very, very slowly. It's pretty much stayed in the realm of, of the ego structure, which is 
by nature completely binary and it's it's entirely just seeking pleasure and avoiding pain and it's just completely i like this i don't like that this is good this is bad mm-hmm. and that's really all it is and it's a bunch of it's a bundle of conditioning that we've had throughout our life seeing things according to the conditioning then we're trying to work with changing that conditioning and you know it's kind of like rearranging furniture in a prison cell, you're still in the prison cell. So I feel like we need to move beyond that. See, yes, we have that. We have that. We have personality. We have ego structure. But there is a greater consciousness here. And so I think that the mind sciences need to evolve into that, into including that, even though it's not so easily measured or examined, or there's been, you know, at least 35 years of studies done in the effects of mindfulness and meditation on the brain and on on the mind so we have done that some but it's hard to measure and and uh, do it scientifically but experientially we can know that there's more to us than just that ego structure and i think that that's the new frontier where we have to go beyond that and like i said the area of non-dual psychotherapy is probably the most cutting edge uh, oh, yeah. Aspect of that, yes, it's very new. Well, you know, I think a ticket into this, I've got a particular thought about this that because you are saying so many profound and useful things, but I think the average person on the street, whether they're in New York City, Toledo, Ohio, or Tokyo, (laughs) Japan, they're all looking for, okay, what's the tickets that I can pop into that door? And I think the ticket is affect. I think we are in a cathartic crisis in the world. And we're really recognizing the limitations of emotional catharsis and its destructive potential for the evolution of humankind. So what happens is, if somebody says, well, what's the problem? Well, affect mismanagement is the problem. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Let's get down Mm -hmm. to what we can talk about. That right there is disrespectful. You're being disrespectful of me. I was being disrespectful of you. I've got to own that disrespect, and I've got to own the affect mm-hmm. and not wash it all over you to think that I'm going to resolve something when I've just right. <laughs> beat you up with emotions. Oh, no. And then that's in, in our, our present uh, culture that we're in. That's being allowed more and more, isn't it? Yeah, it's encouraged. Yeah. It's encouraging that yeah. our president of our country is doing that yeah. a lot and yeah. just doing that a lot and criticizing people and making fun of people and yeah. uh, you know, splattering the affect everywhere. Yeah, right. So it's, it's being shown now to be, this is okay, go for it, you know, free yeah. for all. And that is not, it's only causing more division. Just Absolutely. look at the, the amount of division that's caused in just this year. Short and period of time. Short period of time, massive division. So that is not the solution, and neither is suppressing the affect and yeah. you know mm-hmm. denying the affect. Quite so, so. Good point. So the ego structure, it has a limited repertoire. It's either acting it out in some kind of reactive way, indulging and reactive, or some form of avoiding or denying. Mm-hmm. And that's its entire repertoire. <laughs> so what I'm talking about is getting in touch with the a greater self within us that knows how to allow the affect to be without, now the mind can't understand this, but don't try, allowing the affect to be without reacting and acting it out or suppressing it or denying it. 
just allowing it to unfold naturally and resolve naturally, coming up and coming down. And this is a brand new exploration. It's like it's like an evolutionary leap so in consciousness, true. but we have to make it. You know, at least enough people have to make it to start turning this ship around that's going off the cliff with too much division. So much so true about affect management. I and you said it so well there. I think one of the things that I found is that when a person recognizes their own affect mismanagement, apropos of just what you said a moment ago, it's an opportunity for them to actually learn about themselves. Mm-hmm. Because none of us really want to be that way. No, except if we're really completely scared and we think that's the only tool that we have in the toolbox. Mm -hmm. There are scared people that don't have any sense of all this stuff. Mm -hmm. The average enlightened person does not want to be mismanaging their affect all over their loved ones. So then when they actually say, I'm mismanaging my affect, there's an opportunity there. And that's where the door that we were speaking about earlier when we started, so Mm -hmm. swings open a bit into a grand illumination that's there of why is that true? Why am I doing that? What's going on with me? Mm-hmm. Is there some way I can actually look a little more deeply and resolve that and let go? of? Right. And that's bringing in more awareness. That's bringing in more consciousness and just kind of unconsciously splattering or unconsciously denying our affect. And as we inquire into it and we have more capacity, we've talked about capacity being built both through different methods healing methods that allow the nervous system to settle, as well as more capacity by having access to more of our consciousness. As we have that, then we're able to be present with what is, and it can allow us to move into what I could call core affect, the pure Mm -hmm. affect. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe the affect we're experiencing is anger. I'm mad at you. How dare you not be there for me? But underneath that is fear, you know, insecurity, you know, vulnerability, you know, you know, more core affect of, mm-hmm. that's not being felt because there's a secondary affect that's covering it up. Mm-hmm. So we so can true. also get yeah. more into the natural affect and allow that to be expressed and moved through. And that natural affect does have to do with a greater degree of vulnerability. It does. And, and that's what's getting hard, really hard when we're 100% identified with the ego. It doesn't want to do that. It doesn't want to be vulnerable. It's always defending against that. And that creates a great deal of problem in relationship. Let me ask you, we're running out of time here a little bit. And I want to make sure that you get the benefit for having come on and and shared your wisdom and experience with our listeners. Uh, Let's make sure we know how to contact you. And see, listeners, I just want you to know, friends, that I'm going to have all these contact on the website at Core Brain Journal. We'll have all the links for her and so on. Uh, We'll have links for her books and all this sort of, uh, you know, those details. But let's talk about where people can reach you. Maybe there's some people in California that are near Grass Valley, but where can they reach you on the internet, which is where most of this is. Do you do virtual coaching too, by the way? I do a lot of that because like I said, this is a a new cutting edge evolution in, in psychotherapy. It was based in it birthed in the Bay Area. So um, I'm spreading it a little bit, but it's not spread far and wide yet. So there's people all over the country and in other parts of the world that work with me online because there aren't people who have this understanding that they're bringing to, to psychotherapy and to our humanness. Not enough of us yet. So, so I work mostly the on the, <laughs> you, you train the trainers as well as do as provide the service. 
right, know, yes. you have train do you have training modules for people who want to pick up and go, go uh, I don't have that actual module I've done some some you know daylight training workshops mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but there is a colleague of mine is actually developing that in the Bay Area mm -hmm. and the conferences that we speak at are educating people about it the non-dual wisdom and psychotherapy conference and the science and non-duality conference which is this week, I'm going to be speaking in a couple of days there. Well, that'll be so much on, fun. On Friday. <laughs> and so it has a section there of mind sciences. So I, I speak in that forum. So it, it, And there's writings, books we've done that we've put out about it. And they're, it's just getting out there little by little. But yes, I work on online. And the, the kind of central point is my website. It's going to include media that I've done and events that I'm putting together. And I'm, I'm putting together in-person course on Awakened Relating here, but I'd like to do one online. And I will put that on my website, you know, so because my book has, is designed to be a course mm -hmm. in studying how this is applied to all aspects of relationship, conflict, communication, sexuality, intimacy, and so on. So let's spell your website, and then we'll talk about your Facebook site as well, and, and we'll send people over there. Uh, That's my name, LynnMarieLumiere.com. L-U-M-I-E-R-E, -E, folks, dot com. And the Facebook page is? Oh, I don't have it. I have it. Relating. Yes, Waking Relating. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the paper author. right in front of me. <laughs> I have an author page. And the, uh, the yeah, the website is Lynn Marie Lumiere. And um, there's links there to buy the books. They're also on Amazon. That's fantastic. Lynn Marie, thank you so much for coming on board here. This has been very interesting. I mean, you know, it's hard to talk about relationships and then go to the entire evolution of humankind. But, you yes, know, and I, we just tapped into the barely the beginning of it. There's so much more. Yeah. There's so much. I would, I'd love to pop out there to San Francisco and be at that conference with you because I know it'd be so interesting. And I think the people who are interested in this would be great to partner with in a meeting like this. They'd be so much fun. Yeah. Because right. they're thinking about it and they're looking at trimming it up and they've already opened the door a little bit and they just want to go further down the road. So right. yeah, it's, very, it's great. Just So thank you so much for coming on board. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. We'll do it again sometime. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Core Brain Journal. We're working every day behind the scenes to bring you reports that connect research benches with those street trenches. Here we share the complexity of mind science because as you know, details really do matter. One of the most pervasive misunderstood challenges is how commonplace medications like those written for ADHD are used so regularly without clear guidelines. If you think you'd like more specifics, take a minute to download my two-page PDF packed with video links and references on the absolute essentials of how to start ADHD medications. They're easily available at corebrainjournal.com forward slash start. Thanks for listening. Do connect and stay tuned. Together we can make a difference.